Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing to talk about the fact that Christmas isn't canceled. And that's important for us to be reminded of this year because we know that Christmas is going to be different. Right now, COVID-19 is continuing to spread exponentially across our country and across our community. So we know that Christmas is going to have to look different. But just because we may not be able to celebrate Christmas how we want to, that doesn't mean that we're not celebrating who the season is all about. So over the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about who we get to celebrate at Christmas. And today we're focusing in on part of the story of Jesus's birth that talks about his mother, Mary. And through her story, we're going to see what it means for us to be blessed by God. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So last week, we started our Christmas sermon series here at Melbourne Heights. But as I kind of alluded to last Sunday, Getting ready for this year's Christmas sermon series, well, it hadn't been easy. And that's because we are living in a world right now where a potentially deadly virus is raging all around us. Just last month, we saw over 3 million people infected with COVID-19 across our country. And if those infections weren't bad enough, COVID-19 also contributed to the deaths of more than 25,000 Americans last month. So epidemiologists are warning us that things are going to get worse before they get better if we don't start taking the necessary precautions to slow the spread of this novel virus once again. And what that means for all of us is that this Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas. This Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas. We're not going to be coming together to sing Christmas carols and to read the Christmas story inside of a sanctuary that is filled with people this year. And we're not going to be attending big Christmas banquets or holiday parties where we spend the entire night mingling with dozens of completely different people. Truth is, if things keep moving in the direction that they've been moving in with COVID-19 over the last few weeks... We may even have to decide if we're going to get together with our families or our friends to open up gifts or to sit down for a Christmas dinner this year. And because of all of this, a lot of us are struggling right now. The truth is that I'm struggling right now. I mean, it was hard enough to make the decision to miss out on celebrating Thanksgiving with my parents and with my siblings a few weeks back. And then, when Thanksgiving Day actually rolled around... It just didn't feel like Thanksgiving to me. Even though I was able to spend that day with my wife and with my daughter, and even though we had the turkey and the dressings and the mashed potatoes with gravy and the cranberry relish and pumpkin pie on our table, it just wasn't the same. And that was just for Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving is nowhere near as important as Christmas to me. So there's a part of me right now that is wondering if we can celebrate Christmas without seeing our family or our friends in person. And there's a part of me that's wondering if we can celebrate Christmas, if we can't sit down together around Christmas trees and watch everybody that we love take turns opening up their Christmas gifts. And there's a part of me that wonders if we can celebrate Christmas without singing Silent Night together in our sanctuary come Christmas Eve. And if you're being honest with yourself right now, there's probably a part of you that is wondering those exact same things. 
And it's because we're all wondering about how we can celebrate Christmas this year that we're going to remind you every Sunday between now and December 25th that even though this Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas, Christmas isn't canceled. Even if we can't celebrate Christmas the way that we're used to, Christmas isn't canceled. Even if we have to change all of our typical plans this year, Christmas isn't canceled. Even if we can't see any of our family or any of our friends, Christmas isn't canceled. And Christmas isn't canceled because Christmas isn't about how we celebrate. Christmas is about who we celebrate. Christmas isn't about how we celebrate. Christmas is about who we celebrate. So this Christmas, instead of wondering and worrying about how we can celebrate during these unprecedented times, I want to talk with you about who we get to celebrate at Christmas. And we started doing that last week by taking a closer look at part of the story of Jesus' birth to see what it tells us about who Jesus is. And today, well, today we're going to look at another part of the story of Jesus' birth. And we find this part in Luke chapter 1. And just as a reminder for you right here, the book of Luke is an account of the life of Jesus. So in the book of Luke, you're going to find stories about Jesus' life and his ministry and his miracles, as well as his crucifixion and his resurrection. But right now, we're focusing on the part of Jesus' story uh, and taking a closer look at the part where we meet Mary, Jesus' mother. So let's start reading together in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke writes, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now I got to tell you that I love the last sentence in that passage where Luke says, Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel had just called Mary a favored woman, and she can't understand why. And Mary couldn't figure out why this angel had said that she was a favored woman, because Mary had a very distinct idea of what it meant to be favored or to be blessed by God. And the truth is that Mary's idea of what it meant to be blessed by God, well, it probably isn't that different than what we think it means to be blessed by God today. In an article that was written for the New York Times a couple of years ago, Jessica Bennett wrote about how we misunderstand what it means to be blessed. And I want to share with you part of what she wrote in this article. So here's what she said. There's nothing quite like invoking holiness as a way to brag about your life. But calling something blessed has become the go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while pretending to be humble, or to fish for a compliment, to, uh, or to acknowledge a success without sounding too conceited about it, or to purposely elicit envy. Blessed, which once meant divine or supremely favored, is now used to explain that coveted TED Talk invite as well as to celebrate your grandmother's 91st birthday. 
It's even carried out in things like hashtags, like hashtag blessed or acronyms, hashtag BH for the Hebrew Baruch Hasam, which means blessed be God, and even in emojis. Blessed is now used where in the past someone might have said lucky, said the linguist Deborah Tannen. But what makes these examples humble brags is not the blessed part itself, but the context it's used in. Telling the world that your fiancé is the best or that you've been invited to do something impressive. Actually, in those cases, I don't even see the humble in it. I just see the brag. Athletes and entertainers have long used the word blessed and earnest, explained the linguist Ben Zimmer. For example, in 1977, Smokey Robinson told the Chicago Tribune that he felt blessed to have accomplished so much in his career. And the track star Jackie Joyner Kersey called it a blessing when she set a world record in the heptathlon. And of course, blessed has long been used inside of religious settings. It means to be made holy. It can also serve as a kind of casual well-wishing. I grew up in a Baptist household where everybody went to church, and I often heard the phrase, have a blessed day, Aaron Jackson, who is a stand-up comedian from Virginia, said. But the overuse of the word has all but stripped it of its meaning. Now it's just like, hey, strawberries are half price at Kroger. I feel so blessed, Miss Jackson went on to say. So what Jessica Bennett is getting at in her article is that what we think that being blessed is means that it's about having good things happen in our lives. Here's the way that one of the most prominent Christian speakers in our country actually explained it. She said, Who would want to get in a religion where you're miserable and poor and broke and ugly and you just have to muddle through until you get to heaven? I believe that God gives, wants to give us nice things. But does being blessed actually mean that God wants you to have nice things? Does being blessed by God mean that God wants you to drive a luxury car? Does being blessed by God mean that he wants you to own a home inside of a gated community? Does being blessed by God mean that we're always going to have the latest iPhone in our pockets or that we're going to take great vacations to remote tropical islands? Does being blessed by God mean that we are always going to have perfect health, that there's never going to be a problem in our families, and that we will never, ever have to worry about the bottom line in our bank accounts? Because if all of that is what it means to be blessed by God, then there is no wonder why Mary was so confused and disturbed in the passage that we read when the angel said that she was favored by God. Because Mary, Mary didn't have any of those things. And Luke even points that out to us when he tells us where Mary was from. Luke tells us that Mary was from a little town in Galilee called Nazareth. And you may not know a whole lot about that little town, but let me tell you that Nazareth's Nazareth would have been the last town that anyone would have expected the story of Christmas to start in. The story of Christmas? Well, it should have started someplace more important, someplace more significant than Nazareth. The story of Christmas, it should have started in a place like Rome, which was the capital of the greatest empire of that day, where everyone from emperors to senators to generals lived. Or the story of Christmas, 
It should have started in a place like Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, where God's holy temple was built. Or at the very least, the story of Christmas should have started in a place like Sephoris, which was a city that was about ten times the size of Nazareth, and was only about an hour walk away from that tiny little town. Sephoris? It was where all the important people in Galilee lived. There was affluence and there was culture in Sephoris. There were fine shops and luxury dining experiences in Sephoris. There were homes that were constructed by the finest materials available in Sephoris. But Nazareth? Well, Nazareth was just a place that people who were too poor to live in Sephoris called home. Nazareth was a place where the maids and the butlers lived when they weren't working in their master's homes in Sephoris. Nazareth was where the construction workers who built the opulent estates in Sephoris set up their shops. Nazareth was a place where nothing good ever happened and nothing good ever came out of it. So the truth is that Mary was probably a pretty ordinary person from a pretty ordinary town. So even though Mary may have walked the streets of the city of Sephoris, she lived a life that was far from opulent. Instead of relishing in the riches of a princess or a queen, Mary may very well have worked as a servant in the city of Sephoris, mopping up those luxurious floors of someone that everyone else in the world would have thought was better and more important than Mary. And at the end of a hard day's work, Mary likely went home with only pennies in her hands, barely enough money to buy her daily bread. And that would have been pretty ordinary in Mary's time. You have to remember that the whole Christmas story, it takes place long before there's a middle class that had risen to prominence in American culture. In Israel, just like the rest of the ancient world, there would have been the haves and the have-nots. And Mary, she didn't have much. So Mary would have known what it was like to put in an honest day's work and to not receive an honest day's wage for it. And Mary would have known what it was like to have to go to bed hungry and what it was like to see her own parents offer what little they had so that they could feed their kids. So if being blessed means that you're not miserable or poor or broke, Mary wasn't blessed. But that's not what the angel said in the scripture passage that we read earlier in this sermon. The angel said that Mary was a favored woman, someone who was blessed by God. So that must mean that being blessed by God isn't about having good things happen to you. Another one of America's most prominent speakers and pastors, Rick Warren, he summed things up pretty well for us in an article for Time magazine when he said, This idea that God wants everybody to be wealthy, well, there's a word for that. And that word is baloney. It's creating a false idol. You don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. I can show you millions of faithful followers of Christ who live in poverty. Why isn't everyone in the church a millionaire if God wants you to be rich? And Rick Warren is absolutely right. Being blessed by God doesn't mean that we're going to be rich. So what does it mean to be blessed by God? Well, if you were to turn to it in a dictionary, you'd find out that being blessed means that you're consecrated or sacred. 
But those words feel awfully churchy, and we'd all have to look them up in a dictionary to figure out what they mean, too. So, since being consecrated or sacred doesn't really help us understand it any better, maybe we need to take a different approach here. So, instead of trying to understand what it means to be blessed in some vague way, let's keep reading Mary's story and see what it meant for her to be blessed by God. As Luke continues the story, he tells us this. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. If Mary was confused and disturbed when the angel first appeared to her and called her favored by God, how do you think she felt when she heard the rest of this angel's message? She must have been freaking out. Because, first of all, Mary's told that she'll soon conceive a child. And I'm sure that all that she can think of is, yeah, right. Remember, Mary was a virgin and Mary intended to stay a virgin until her wedding night. And this wasn't just about some commitment card that she signed during a true love waits routine retreat when she was a teenager. For Mary, if she was found to be pregnant before she was married, she likely wouldn't live long enough to welcome her child into the world. And that's because Jewish law required that she be stoned. And nobody, nobody would believe her if she tried to convince them that she was somehow carrying God's child. And even if she managed to escape her capital punishment, Mary never would have made it to the altar for her wedding day. She would have ended up being a single mother that was cut off from her family and from her community. And that doesn't exactly sound like she was favored to me. But that's when the angel hits her with the real kicker in the story. Mary's not just going to conceive a child. Mary will be carrying the son of the Most High God. Now, as we said on this side of the story, it sounds to us like Mary is extremely blessed. She has been handpicked to be the mother of the Son of God. But try imagining. Try imagining what it must have been like to be in Mary's place. I mean, I know that I had a few sleepless nights after Ashley and I found out that she was pregnant with Hannah because I wasn't sure if I was actually ready to be a dad. So I can't even begin to think about the pressure that Mary must have felt when she found out that she was going to be the mother of God. So I'm sure that Mary spent more than one sleepless night during her pregnancy feeling overwhelmed by her own inadequacies and wondering how she was ever chosen for such a big responsibility. 
So Mary must have asked God over and over again why he chose her. Surely the Son of God should have been born to someone with wealth and power. Surely the Son of God deserved to grow up in the opulent estates of a place like Sephorus instead of playing on the dirt floors of Nazareth. But it was by playing on those dirt floors in Nazareth that the Son of God would learn what true wealth really is and that it's not something that can be measured by the size of someone's bank account. It's something that is determined by the way that you treat other people. And it was by following his mother as she walked through that little town of Nazareth and hearing the snickering crowds question his own paternity that the Son of God would really learn about the golden rule that he would later teach us all. And that's that you should treat other people the way that you want them to treat you. And it was by sitting at an almost bare dinner table where the bread would have been if Mary's boss hadn't stiffed her on that day's wages that the Son of God would learn what it meant to be poor. And it was when his mother offered him a second piece of bread instead of eating a single piece for herself that the Son of God learned about sacrificing for those that he loved. And those were all lessons that Jesus would learn from his mother. And he would learn those lessons because he was always with Mary. Jesus wasn't just with Mary when things were going well. And Jesus wasn't just with Mary when she had an abundance of food to put on their dinner table. And Jesus wasn't just with Mary when her boss gave her her Christmas bonus each year and that put a little bit of extra money in her pockets. Jesus wasn't just with Mary when everything was going her way. Jesus was always with Mary. And that's what it means to be blessed by God. Being blessed isn't about the stuff that you have. Being blessed is about having God with us. Being blessed isn't about the stuff that you have. It's about having God with us. And God shows us in the Christmas story that being with us is part of who God is. If God was with Mary when her own family threatened to kick her out because she got pregnant before she was married, then God is with you, even if you can't celebrate Christmas with your family this year. And if God was with Mary when she didn't have enough money to buy Jesus a birthday present, then God is with you, even if you can't open up presents with your grandkids on Jesus' birthday this year. If God was with Mary when she had nothing, then God is with you when you feel like you're missing out on everything. That's just who God is. God is with us. And COVID-19 can't change that. Canceling our Christmas plans can't change that. Nothing can change that. So this Christmas, remember that God is always with you. And because God is with you, you are blessed. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we thank you for what we have heard through the story of Mary today. And what it's taught us about you, God, that you are a God who is with us. You're not just a God who is with us in the good times. You are a God who is with us in all times, God. 
You are a God that is with us in the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs of this life, God. And as so many of us are struggling right now to wrap our minds around what Christmas is going to look like, as we're wondering if we're going to be able to see family and friends and open presents and celebrate the ways that we're used to, God. You are with us right now. You understand the struggle that we're experiencing. So God, help us to feel your presence in our lives. Help us to see you as you are with us every single day. And help us to celebrate this Christmas the good news that you came into this world, that you sent your Son into this world for us to be with us so that we are all blessed. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that you've learned what it means to be blessed by God, that it's really about God being with you, not about the stuff that you have. Now, next week, we're going to continue talking about the fact that Christmas isn't canceled, and we're going to keep exploring stories from Jesus' life to learn who this season is all about. Next week, we'll be taking a look at the story of Joseph and seeing what that can tell us about who God is. So we hope that you'll come back and you'll join us when that episode drops next Sunday. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And I also want to remind you that you can join us for worship any Sunday morning. We worship at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church's website. That's mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you come and join us. Well, until next week, I hope that you guys have a great week this week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.